My name's Mel Herbert, and he's Tom Wolfson. We're going to be talking about the cars, the batteries, the solar panel, the stock price, the man, the myth. We're going to be talking about everything Tesla. Why? Because we're... Talking. 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 Talking Tesla. Give us uh, some levels, mate. Okay. Does this seem like a good energy level for you today? Is this going to work? All right. I'm just kidding. How's it going, Mel? This is Talking Tesla. It's a new look. We're new people. It's not Mel and Tom anymore. It's Tom and Mel. I don't know if you guys realize that. Um, it's all changed. I'm in charge now. I've taken over. It's been a, a coup. Welcome to Talking Tesla. Please do not hit my microphone thing. What is this? Why is this here? That it's is very uh, annoying. What you do is you put a mic in there and yeah. you're surrounded by foam uh-huh. and you get a lovely, deep, rich, yeah. almost sexual quality. Does it work sitting on the table? Oh, I mean, does it work? <laughs> <laughs> does it work sitting on the table? No, Tom. Tom Why is there so much background noise? There's like, I don't know what's happening outside. I yeah. think they might be building a roller coaster in your yeah. backyard. Is yeah. it electric? Tesla coaster? Ooh, no. the Tesla coaster. A Tesla coaster is being built. Disneyland, Autopia, Teslas. Model X, oh P85Ds, Luger awesome. to Christmo. You know what? You're welcome, Disneyland <laughs> and Telsa. Tesla, you're welcome. Yeah, eight-year-olds popping up some ludicrous mode. What could go wrong? The the You pull up to Autopia and the Falcon Wing doors go up. You know, because right now you get in Autopia, what happens? <coughs> Propane up, yeah. in your, up in your grill. Yeah. I don't like any part of that. I love this idea. Oh my God, why am I not a consultant for like a big consulting company where people go, what do you think about these two things, Tom? Why? Why, Mel? Because your ideas are stupid. <laughs> that wasn't stupid. It was kind of stupid. Electric cars at Autopia in Disneyland. Uh, I thought you were doing P85Ds with ludicrous No, mode. no, no, oh, that no, was no, no, no. Just Sorry. an, a little electric car that are shaped like a Tesla. It's a sponsorship, uh, a Tesla sponsorship yeah. of Autopia. I, I think you haven't realized yet, but they can't make them fast enough right now. They don't advertise. No, but they're not the... All right, no, that's Let's, fine. Apparently, you've on. never been to Disneyland. They're little cars for little people. They would look like the Roadsters, maybe. That would be better. Remember, Tom, uh, back in time, uh, we're talking a couple of weeks ago. Thank you. Uh, I talked to uh, Casey, and he hypermiled that out of his Tesla. Oh, he was killing that thing. 550 miles. That's a 450 miles more than my non-Tesla car gets. Uh, we're going to get back to that. Yeah, we are. So, uh, te- um, what's his name? Elon Musk is on Danish TV, and they're talking about the new technologies and the improvements and how things are going to get better. And they were yeah. talking about this hypermiling, actually not Casey, but the other guy. Uh-huh. And uh, the interviewer says, well, how far do you think Tesla's going to be able to get in a year? And he said, well, I think probably next year we'll be able to get over 600-mile range. And then it got reported as Elon said that Model S's are going to have 600 miles range. But if you actually watch the video, and there's a link in the show notes, yeah. They were specifically talking within the context of hypermiling. Oh, I see. How far it might get. Because um, it's 5% incremental is what he's yeah, been five saying. Yeah, 5 or 10 cents. Right. So basically, if you do the math on that, what he no math. What he means is that uh, maybe three 350-mile range is going to be standard, and then you can hypermile the crap out of that over yeah. 600. So that's good news. He's yeah. They're basically planning on more range is what I got out of that little interview. More range coming every day, and he specifically said next year and by 2017, even more. You range. got it out. You only got that out of that interview because Elon's been saying 5% every year. You 
are, not are a, you paying attention? I'm not a smart to man. what's happening. Actually, you were talking about your uh, Tesla fied <sighs> Rav Four. The Rav Four. It's in the shop. Did you know that? I knew it was in the shop. It's been in the shop quite a while. Long there, time. And now, what's weeks. going on? Now. The thing about it, the reason that it's in the shop is fascinating. I believe what the situation is, Tesla's like wrote a bunch of code for their computers to control the batteries and all the other stuff, right? And Toyota wrote a bunch of code to run all the other crap in the car. Yes. And Tesla did not want to share their code with Toyota. So there's a computer in between the two computers, a gateway computer, as it were, Uh as you were called. And that computer... Has the two computers talking to each other. So basically, when your Rav Four gets broken, you take it into Toyota. They plug it into the interwebs and the internets and the other situations, <laughs> and they wait for Tesla to look into the car. They can't do anything. They can't do nothing. Nothing. Anything. They can't do any of the things uh, to the, the things? car. So then, what? Unless like you break your cup holder, then Toyota can <laughs> probably fix that. But if it's anything important, so as you know, my Rav would not go into drive. It would not go into reverse makes it very difficult to move the car in any sort of position. A car that moves is one of the fundamental parts of the car. Yeah, it's a big it's the big thing. So about uh, four or five days ago they called me and they were like, Can we have permission to test drive your car? They finally got it to drive and in reverse. They got it to move in the forward or backwards position. So that was helpful. That was a big deal. And they said now Tesla wants us to drain the battery and then they would check some more data on it, right? So they, they're they like, oh, can we have permission to drive the car? I think it was one of those Ferris Bueller things where they just like <laughs> jumped out of their thing and the car went flying. The 1961 Ferrari 250GT California. Less than 100 were made. My father spent three years restoring this car. It is his love. It is his passion. It is his fault he didn't lock the garage. So they drove it. They plugged it in. That day, I proceeded to get four or five emails from my car saying that the pl- the charging had failed because it has been failing. And so another day went by, and they had to plug it back in again, and Tesla had to finally get back to them. And Tesla was like, uh, your battery is no bueno so they're making me a new battery. That's what I was told. I was like, Tesla is making me a new battery and sending it. So bonus, I think to myself, and, and people have a half full, half empty of the glass kind of situation of this. Yes. People are like, your car is F. Do you need a new battery? I'm like, I got 30,000 miles. I'm getting a new battery. Boom. That's what I said. Could you put a few extra cells in that puppy? That's Give Tom 200 miles range. Yeah, be happy. I mean, like, feel free to pack a few more modules in that bad boy and i'll take 150 160 you know whatever thank you tesla that'd be, that'd be cool if they did that that'd be so cool you would be like oh. so that's some interesting stuff i'm excited i'm gonna get a new battery i'm gonna let all you people know what that means if i have some additional range i had no range degradation so far at thirty-three thousand miles right. right so you're getting a hundy i'm getting a hundred if i extended charge i can get 114 115 can't wait for the follow-up on this thing. Oh, it's so oh, exciting. 200 miles, and Tom will be like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm going to be like, don't tell anyone. Don't tell. Shh. That's cool. Have you ever tried to uh, get away from the police in your Rav4, like drive really fast? Because, you know, you you got in trouble, you 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 know selling drugs, whatever it is you do. Have you ever tried to get away from the LAPD? I have not, no. You shouldn't now. No, I shouldn't. Not no. ever. Mm, not now, especially. Should I just barely? Maybe I should just not sell drugs. You probably shouldn't. But, you know, the LAPD is trying to be environmentally sensitive. So they bought, and I'm not clear how many, but 
a couple or they're leasing a couple of P85Ds with ludicrous mode as pursuit vehicles, uh, you're not going to be able to outrace them now, Tom. That's the fastest production car in the world, LAPD, trying to do the right thing. They've got a couple of BMW i3s trying to be environmentally sensitive. I'm just saying, if you're in LA and you think you're going to unru- un- un- outrun, I think is the word you're, you're looking for. <laughs> run out. Run out of a cop car. Outrun a cop car. Outrun a cop car. As, uh, I was turning not the, gonna happen. as I was turning the corner getting off the freeway, there was a police officer in a giant SUV. So let's not... Let's not was it an X? It was not. Oh. It was not an X. Let's not... Let's not praise the LAPD too much with their Tesla purchases. I think it's what we would call in the world photo op. But that's cool. Good for them. I'm happy for them. The weird thing about the cop I just saw, he was in an SUV. And usually you see uh, cops on bicycles sometimes wearing shorts. This guy had on shorts. So maybe he stole the cop car. I, I don't know what was going on. He, like he's wearing shorts and he's driving an SUV. Yeah, you don't get out of an SUV in I shorts my, for the police. I want my police officers to wear pants. I, I yeah. don't know. Maybe that's you just seem, me. You seem tougher when you have pants <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. Like when you have shorts on, you're like, hey, bro. Uh, like totally didn't steal that cupcake, did you, bro? <laughs> People don't steal cupcakes. <laughs> no, they that's don't. That's a Midwest no. thing. No, they don't steal we don't do cupcakes. That. I got a new cupcake yesterday, just so you know. There's a new cupcake place in the neighborhood. Did you know that? No. We won't plug them, but I mean, it was delicious. In the new mall, you can edit this out if you don't mind. <laughs> no, this is great. <laughs> what I wanted uh, to talk about was not cupcakes. What I wanted to talk about is since we're speaking about how fast the P85D ludicrous mode in a cop car and is. it is fast. There's a great little video. You can see it in the show notes of these Aussies. And it's fun because it's a big old Aussie accent. Uh-huh. And uh, they take the P85D and they uh-huh. race it against Australia's fastest sort of production car. Yeah. And the P85D over a quarter mile or half mile just takes it out kicked Boom. its butt but that was nothing then no. they bring out a million dollar racing car and australians love their yeah. racing cars they bring out a million dollar racing car uh-huh. they put them on the start yeah. line it's kind of funny yeah because the guy in the in the racing car is going vroom, vroom. it's really loud and scary <laughs> yeah. and the guy in the tester winds his window down it's uh-huh. really funny it's like i'm gonna turn on the air conditioning and play <laughs> yeah. Mozart. it's completely silent mode is on it's a little nippy i might pop the heater on a bit and heated seats as well and we've got some classic rock on for good measure. Hey, Tim, what are you listening to over there? Oh, good. And then they gun it. Yeah. Million dollar car. Yeah. Tesla. Tesla takes it down. He just killed it. Kills it. So do you think the guy missed like a gear? Do you think it was like no. a perfect thing? Well, it's just the racing the car, car driver uh-huh. said at the end, it's uh-huh. actually as I expected. I look at the specs on the acceleration and I'm like, uh-huh. we can't, have a million dollar car. We can't keep up with it. Uh-huh. Our top speed, we're going to take you. We've got a top speed of 250 miles an hour. Tesla's, you know, ratcheted down to 155. He's yeah. like, over a half mile, a quarter mile, there's no way I was going to catch that thing. <laughs> I yeah. just think it's cute. It's a race between three cars I cannot afford, just so you know. Like, <laughs> you can't afford a million-dollar car? Nope, not a million-dollar car. Can not probably not afford an S at this point, but that's cool. I can't afford the pr- fastest production Australian vehicle. Not that I would want to because I think it's probably right-hand drive. That'd be weird. We are going to be interviewing uh, Motley Crue. Motley Fool. Oh, Motley Fool. Motley Fool. <laughs> like Nikki Six yeah. or Tommy okay. Lee? Yeah. Like the tank. Yeah. Daniel Sparks from The Motley Fool was at the Tesla event. He got a press pass. 
First, I want to ask him about his thoughts about the Model X and then about the price because there's this, all this BS about how much it's going to cost. So, uh, first of all, Daniel, what do you think of the configuration or the uh, loveliness that is the X? Yeah, it was it was great. They did give us some time. I mean, there were, there was still even among the press some fighting for the car, but I actually got a short test drive too. Overall, I was super impressed. My takeaway was the, uh, the there's just so many features uh, compared to a typical SUV, uh, at least in regards to functionality and and design. That kind of jumped out at me, you know, the, the cockpit-style windshield, the falcon wing doors, the self-presenting doors, and it almost was, you know, kind of exhaustive, and I was definitely impressed with each feature individually. And then the test drive was great. Um, I, I drove the Ludacris Model S and the Insane Model S, and in general, I think it felt pretty much the same uh, as far as the speed, and it I don't really notice much of a difference between the Insane and, and Ludicrous <laughs> Model S. They're both ludicrous to me, but uh, I, w- I would say it was right on that level with the Insane and Ludicrous. And then the, the handling was really great, actually. Uh, you, you could really notice that center of gravity. They talk about it all the time, you know, with the Model X saying it's going to have the center of gravity of a sports car, and there were definitely spot on. It, it just felt different when you're taking those turns uh and it was in a it was in a way that was better i would say uh, taking those turns with a lower center of gravity felt great yeah though i think they're actually they're they're a bit hyperbolic with that they've got to be careful they're basically <laughs> saying you can't flip this car and you know right. the first person <laughs> to flip that car is going to say you said i couldn't flip it <laughs> yeah they they do love to boast that center of gravity so uh what were your, the highlights? What are sort of the one or two things that if you had 120 grand in your pocket that you'd say, yeah, I'm going to get it for this reason? Yeah, well, let's see. I'm still a big fan of the doors. I know that, you know, it's kind of a gimmick to some, but I think that that must have something to do with the, you know, 20,000 orders they had going in the 2015 when they hadn't been marketing the car at all, you know, and it's, uh, so I think that that is impressive and the doors must have something to do with that. No matter how much people enjoy criticizing the doors, they're definitely a selling point. Uh, but their functionality was beyond what I expected. I think the fact that they, every single time they open, you know, look around, check out their surroundings, open accordingly. They were, they were really sensitive to, you know, things getting in the way and, uh, yeah, I was super impressed with, with the doors, I'd have to say. Now, what about the second row of seats? It's really hard to find <laughs> good video um, of how far that second row of seats goes forward. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast. Tom wants them to fold down so they go flat so he has a huge amount of room. And what <laughs> they've done is no folding, but it moves forward to give you more room. Did you get to play with that at all? Yeah, so I was having a little debate with a colleague the other day about the second row seats. Uh, he, he wants them to fold down. I'm okay with how they're at. I don't know if it's necessarily superior, but what I would relate it to is there is that picture that leaked from the configurator of where they are forward, uh, with the boxes in the, in the back. I think a lot of people have probably seen that photo. And I think that that was pretty much 
the reality right there and they weren't so they were they're not quite touching i could be wrong i did mess with it but i should have taken a picture and it seems that would have been a highly demanded picture right now but i didn't take a picture but anyways our debate was about those seats and you know the way i think about it is if they're going to fold down it's going to take you know more room vertically from the occupant right there so cuz they they're hefty big seats you know and you know instead they just basically push them forward so you get that extra floor space on the bottom still yeah there's definitely a case that could be made for people having a preference of the seats folding i'm assuming the monopost seats made that difficult yeah and i feel stupid too because there i was sitting in the car and i sat in the back set of seats knowing this is controversial and i didn't you know um, push them all the way forward i'm as dumb as dog poo but you're right, I think it's probably going to be a toss-up. You know, Moving it forward, you're going to get a different type of space. So we will see. Right. Now, I want to talk to you about Tesla stock because you, uh, you, know, you write for uh, The Motley uh, Fool. And uh, it's taken a bit of a beating right now because they're concerned that the price of the Model X is a little too high. Even though it's a high-end SUV, it's a little too high. And uh, the stock has gone down by about 5% in the last week or so, maybe 10%. So I do own shares. I, I think a lot of Model S owners do. And uh, I'm still happy to own shares. Pinning the reason to the price is is what the street and the media is doing. I don't think that that's justified, though. Um, and that this is something I've actually written about. I don't necessarily agree that uh, Tesla missed the mark on price. I think that uh, the media keeps citing this signature model pricing uh, but they did announce a 90D. They didn't say what the pricing is, but they did announce it. So one of these models that's going to cost less is already here. Um, and it's pretty easy to you know kind of guess what the price is going to be. Just you know take that $88,000 from the Model S, add on $5,000, and then that puts us at $93,000. Know, and it depends on what features they decide to include standard. But I'm pretty sure price is really important for them. So you know, when Elon Musk says 5000 more than a comparably priced Model S, I think that they're really going to try to make that happen. So I'm thinking the 90D will be, you know, 90, 94, 95,000. So I don't really know if that Adam Jonas guy really understands that. Everyone is citing this $130,000 figure, but that's when you have the performance motor. So I'm, I'm not really sure people get it. Yeah, there's a big dichotomy between what Elon has said, which is what you're mm-hmm. saying, for the similarly right. equipped Model S, it's five, going to be about five grand more, and the 120 yeah. to 132,000 that everybody else is quoting. And yeah. if Elon's right, then yeah, I feel much better about there's a sort of psychological cutoff between 100,000 and more than 100,000. If I can get this configured nicely, I don't need it really super fast, I'll kill myself. If I can get it right. for under 100 grand, I'm sold. But if it's really 120 yeah. or 130, I don't think so. Yeah, you know, I, I really just don't think that, that that's the case. I think I've seen a lot of times as a, as a journalist covering Tesla closely or the media just doesn't understand it. Uh, and you'll notice when they, they, they don't talk about the 90D in these articles, they just kind of glaze over it. And I think it's just really a lack of understanding of the way Tesla prices its cars. So here's a question I have for you right now. Tom asked this, sure. we just, we just <laughs> recorded and he said, ask him this, give him $10,000. What's right. he going to buy right now, Tesla or Volkswagen? There are contrarians who like to take advantage, even when it is a massive scandal. Uh, but I'm not the uh, contrarian type, at least in this regard. So I'm going to stick with betting on Elon Musk and all the optionality that comes with betting on uh, someone you know, that with such a proven track record as him. 
So thanks to Daniel Sparks from The Motley Fool. And let's get back to the Tom and Mel discussion. And Tom is saying, I can't afford an X. But we've got some revelations. What do you mean you can't afford an X, Tom? Because uh, perhaps there's a new tax deduction you want to tell us about with the X. Hello. $25,000 tax deduction, uh, Section 179, which I believe was initially put into the tax code so people could buy half-million-dollar tractors for their farms. And, of course, uh, you know, as we do here in America... America. America. We figure out how we can make that shit work for us. And now, so I actually, I don't know if you people, if I'd be telling you this, but I took that tax deduction in 2004 for my Volvo because my Volvo also had the gross vehicle weight ratio of over 5,000 pounds, which is where this tax break clicks in. And I needed my car. It was integral part of my photography business because I needed a lot of space to carry a lot of heavy equipment. And at the time, the Volvo was the only lovely vehicle that I could pull up and look like a professional photographer and could still carry my gear. So I took that and uh, it was nice. So this is a tax break yeah. for big heavy vehicles, which was supposed to be for farm vehicles and yeah. stuff. And then it became known as the Hummer loophole because... All the Hummer drivers have an 8,000-pound car. What like, oh, are you talking uh, about? My Hummer's so heavy, I'm a farmer. And it's $25,000 from people outside the, the US. You know, everybody's tax code's different, but most tax codes go like this. You try and do incentives and stuff. Yeah. Um, so now the Tesla people, and this was from Autoblog, and they actually talked to the people at Tesla and they said, yes, indeed, it is true yeah. that if you fulfill the other criteria, which you said, like this vehicle is integral to your business and you get it on a business lease, yeah. you can get a $25,000 tax deduction. And that sir is a lot of deductions yeah business you can lease or buy and if you lease it and you take all that twenty five thousand dollars the first year you can actually drive the x and make a profit <laughs> x is for everybody for free the x government's buying is x so so just so you know tesla nation um we're gonna look into that a little more in depth and uh-huh. we're gonna find out whether or not owning a Tesla X is integral part of this business that me and Mel have, <laughs> this which is clearly nonprofit at this point. Because <laughs> I don't know if you guys realize, but when the show starts, there's no commercials for any beverages or mm-hmm. or cars or any of that. There's bank- a donate banking. button. There's a donate button, and and it's been pushed once, well, which is awesome. We love that guy, even though Mel pissed him oh, off. I did know I was having fun Dude. with him, but the rest of you, <laughs> yes. really, push thousands push. of downloads. I think we're at ten thousand downloads. Ten thousand downloads, ten dollars. That's up less than a penny a download. Yeah, I'm don't just, worry about us. No, we're fine. I'm just saying. I since didn't, we didn't get anybody to buy us an X, they didn't. No. There weren't ten people using your code to no. buy us a to buy an S's or whatever. No. So we don't get a free X and uh, and no donate buttons. But the government potentially is going to buy both of us an X because I'm gonna look into this. And if it is, it changes the price of the X to seventy five thousand dollars. Uh, that's doable. Thank Maybe it's doable. Thank you. It does make a big difference. It's interesting that that comes up because I've got a couple of other articles here I want to talk about quickly because we've got a few interviews to get to. Wait, can I ask one more question? Yeah, sure. Do you think it also qualifies for the $7,500 on top of that? I think it might. I think it might. That now. would be ridiculous. And the $2,500. See, we have, ladies and gentlemen, and the California. there's a federal thing for a federal tax deduction for electric cars, $7,500. There's a state one in California, $2,500. That's a significant change. Yeah, if on grand. top of that you could take $25,000, I'm buying two of them. Can you buy me one? No. 
Um, So a couple of things that relate to that that I want to get to, um, which is an article from QuartzQZ.com, which is about tax incentives in other countries. And Mm. it turns out that Denmark is reversing its policy with some of these tax deductions, huge tax deductions for electric vehicles. And this article talks about the fact that in Norway and Denmark and other countries, they're actually backing off their incentives because they gave such huge incentives for electric vehicles that they 25% of the cars on the roads in some of these countries now are EVs and their governments are having a little bit of a hard time paying for it because people jumped on. They were saying in one of these countries that it reduced the cost of a brand new S from 200000 to 97000 No, what it says right here, according to this article in the show notes, is the draft budget proposed last week would extend the existing 180% automobile tax in this country so there's already in Denmark a tax of 180% on oh, that's cars. That's what's happening. Right? Yes. And it's not applying to electric vehicles. So now if you buy a Tesla, 650,000 kroners, $97,000, it will be $270,000 if you have to pay the 180% automobile tax. What the hell? Who has a 180% sales tax on a car? What's going on in wow. Denmark? They must have... Some really nice gold, like solid gold bumpers on the sides of their roads and stuff like that. I mean, that that is impressive. Yeah, that is. Uh, now it makes sense. So they're actually taxing the crap out of their cars, and You're then they're welcome. just saying, "But electric cars, we won't." So right. that makes a lot more sense. I'm glad I could. I'm glad I could help you understand that a little better. So what I uh, learned from that though yeah. is uh, that these sort of tax incentives, whether it be direct tax incentives or just don't tax it so much incentive. Uh-huh. Really work because in these countries that have these um, incentives, it has worked very well. And what we've just heard from Tom, same thing. You give me $25,000 off that car, I'll buy a high-end car. Thank you I'm going to consider it very, very, very greatly. You know what my takeaway point is? What's that? Don't buy a car in Denmark. Holy crap. Oh, uh, drive to some other country and don't pay 180% tax. That's ridiculous. Just wear clogs and walk around or something. Okay. That's great. Dude. They have clogs there, I think. No, that's the Netherlands, bro. I don't really know the difference between the Netherlands and Denmark. And- That's because you went to Australian public schools, and I'll be, I'll be, you know, full disclosure. I don't either because I went to American public schools. <laughs> so maybe somebody in a lovely European nation that's listening to this, uh, I'll give it a full explanation. <laughs> Let me just go find it on YouTube. I'll be back in a second. <laughs> That'd be great. Really helpful. Nation of Holland, where the tulips grow, the windmills turn, the breakfast is chocolatey, the people industrious, and the sea tries to drown it all. Except this country isn't Holland. It's time for the difference between Holland, the Netherlands, and a whole lot more. The correct name for this tulip-growing, windmill-building, haggle-slag-eating, container-ship-moving, ocean-conquering nation is the Netherlands. But confusion is understandable. The general region has been renamed a lot over a thousand years, including as the Dutch Republic, the United States of Belgium, and the Kingdom of Holland. But it's not just history that makes this country's name confusing, because the Netherlands is divided into 12 provinces. Groningen, Trenta, Overhensel, Helderland, Limburg, Noord-Brabant, Zeeland, which, by the way, is the Zeeland that makes this Zeeland new, Friesland, with adorable little hearts on its flags, Flevoland, Utrecht, and here's the confusion, Nord, North Holland, and Zuid, South Holland. These provinces make calling the Netherlands Holland. All right, uh, Tom, yeah. let's talk about Elon. Let's talk about Elon. You know Elon. what uh, I know about Elon? He likes to tweet. And sometimes he gets premature tweetillation. <laughs> it's a disease. It's a disorder. It's definitely treatable. Nothing to be ashamed of. I think you do that sometimes, too, to be honest with you. Yeah, I get a little premature get a little with my excited, yeah. And uh, so he tweeted out something about this Model Y which is the maybe Falcon Wing doors on an S. I don't know. It says this. 
and this is from Teslarati, great website, says questions are being raised about why a tweet posted last Friday by Elon Musk has been erased. Elon dropped a bombshell when he responded to a tweet with hints that a Model Y was in the works and that it might have falcon wing doors. The inference was that it could be a smaller SUV, presumably falcon wing doors, which would be more appropriate for the crossover SUV than a compact Model 3. So let me so, get this uh, interesting. Let me get this straight. People are up in arms because a dude who owns a car company yes. tweeted out about possibly having some ideas about some additional cars they might be making. Really? Is that the crux of this? This is why everybody's so excited. Do you think Tesla's only working on like one car at a time? They're like, a, they're like I can't multitask. I've got the X out now. Now I'm going to work on the three. Maybe that's why it takes so long for them to put I cars out. I think the concern here is that you have to be very careful yeah. as the CEO of a very large multi-billion dollar company mm-hmm. about tweeting out plans because the stock market goes up and down and up and down and it could be seen that you are trying to manipulate the stock price saying, oh yeah, and we've got a car coming, it's autonomous, it'll do 2,000 miles and it's going to cost uh, $11,000. Uh, you can't say that unless it's true. So he didn't this say might it. be in his head, he but he has to be that. very careful but about he, it. But he didn't say But he talked about a new model and maybe it doesn't even exist yet except in his head. And so the lawyers at the company probably said, hey, dude, unless you've got real plans for that, you better shut up or it looks like stock manipulation. Do you know what the date of that tweet was by any chance? Did uh, it have anything to do with the, the article about Wall Street getting more nervous about the Tesla uh, X because the price is so... It's so high. It's very expensive, I believe. I mean, we still haven't gotten in the configuration, although both of us received a very exciting email yes, the other did. day. Photo of a white falcon. I think it was Elon. Whoa! Falcon wing doors like up and the design stores open. They hope to open the design studio to all the current registrants by okay. the end of 2015. So like in the next couple of months, we'll all at least be able to get in and do some configuring. That's all? Because I'm, like, I'm like checking that they could refresh it every day. Like, they're going to turn it on soon. Right. But Not until the end of the year, It's dude. October, bro. It's like, you know, like you'll have like, you oh, maybe you'll wake man. up in the morning of Christmas and you'll come downstairs and see what's under the tree and you'll get an email like, hey, Mel, come into the design studio. Merry Christmas, bro. It would be better if I came down and I'm rubbing my eyes. <laughs> oh, there's a model X under the tree. Oh, that would be awesome. You know what? You know who else that would be awesome for? For me, Mel. Why? I'm a good person. You like to buy me Christmas presents? Yeah, but um, you're Jewish. That hasn't stopped you in the past. I am Jewish, though. Full disclosure, people. You can I get. Can't Jewish. you get twelve of them? It's the twelve days of Christmas. First off, and okay. eight. <laughs> How wow. many days are you doing? <laughs> eight. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh, sure, was it eight days of Christmas or the twelve days of Hanukkah? Twelve days of. <laughs> you sure about that? And then, what about the Advent calendar? Oh, that's a whole chocolate thing that I understand. <laughs> that's like 30 days of little things coming out of a piece of cardboard. I'm just saying, this is not a theological podcast. No, but we will, uh, we're going to be uh, opening one. It, we're going to call it Talking Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be huge. Talking. Huge. I mean, know, can I do it? It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. 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 We're going to talk about all the Abrahamic religions. It's great. And it's their relationship to Tesla. Tesla. Uh, here we go. Yeah. Last thing I wanted to talk about. Last you know thing? how you... Hate hydrogen. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate the actual you element of hydrogen, hydrogen because like, it's a it's a key part of the water that I love to drink. Yeah. Right. Like I don't hate hydrogen. I hate it in vehicles. Oh well, I misunderstood. So yeah. I thought you had it, and then we had uh, 
that article that we read in uh, Aviation Week, and I actually called the guy that wrote the article and get a bit more detail. Ring. Actually, let me just play it for you now. In a chemical. That's Graham Warwick. He's the guy that wrote the article, and he's talking about this special metal chemical that uh, you can put hydrogen into a solid state. It's a chemical that was developed many years ago as a rocket fuel, and it's very hydrogen-rich. It can store a huge amount of hydrogen. It was looked at as a propellant, and then many, many years later, these guys started looking at it as a way of storing hydrogen. But in its normal form, when you try to release the hydrogen, it just fizzes like a Mentos and dropped into a Coke bottle. So they had to do all this work, what they call the nanotechnology bit of it. They nanostructured a polymer to hold the material together so that they can slowly release the hydrogen in a solid form rather than it sort of like bubbling up and, and uh, making a mess. So I asked Graham, you know, what form is this? Uh, is it an explosive form, non-explosive form? What does it look like? It's essentially inert in its standard form. I mean, if you actually go, you know, I have not handled the stuff, but you can hold it in your hand. As the pellet, they're not toxic, they're not corrosive or anything like that. You can hold them in the hand. They, they only start to release the hydrogen when they're heated up to about 100 degrees Celsius. And then they start to release the hydrogen. So in the normal sort of handling and everything like that, um, nothing happens. You know, it's only when you heat up the pellet does it release the hydrogen. And each of these pellets in a battery form doesn't hold, you know, a massive amount of hydrogen. Now, you can make much larger versions of the same thing, but what they're talking about for the battery replacements, these pellets are the size of beads. They're very small. But, Graham, this is a pretty expensive and sort of bleeding-edge technology right now, right? In essentially, yes. Um, the point they make is that they can make it in any form that you want. So in their early applications, where right, it's expensive in its current form. I mean, they're only just beginning this, so it's a very expensive material at the moment because they're only making small amounts of it. So they're looking at for the unmanned air vehicle market. And in the unmanned air vehicle market, it's quite possible that people might want batteries that are shaped to fit into a special space in the, in the vehicle. So you can make it any shape you want, but ultimately they want to, you know, they want to offer this to replace batteries in cars, batteries in other systems. So they would put it into the same form factor as a battery. And in that form factor, it carries, because of the hydrogen content and the material, it, it has three times the energy density. Now, you have to remember, you still need a fuel cell because all this does is store hydrogen. It does not generate energy in its own right. It generates hydrogen to go into a fuel cell. So you, in a system level, you've got to count the weight of the fuel cell as well. And who is this being developed by? The British government, is that right? Yeah, they have funding from the British government, support from the British government, to look at two different ways of using it. One is as a sort of a range extender. If you remember some cars, you, many years ago, you could buy a car that had like a second fuel tank, and if you nearly ran dry, you could switch over to the, the reserve fuel tank. Well, the idea was that you'd carry these safe batteries, would just be in the car, and if you ever got to the edge of your electrical power range, you would just switch these batteries on, complete your journey, and then you would just go and exchange the batteries at a dealership or at a, at a filling station, put them back in the car, and they would then be just there as a backup. And the other one they're looking at with the funding for the government is to generate a small amount of hydrogen to mix with the diesel, because apparently that reduces emissions in the diesel if you mix hydrogen with diesel. So it would be like it just generate a, I think it's somewhere between 10 and 15% by volume of, of hydrogen constantly, that would be mixed with the diesel in the car to clean it up. So those are two, but ultimately they want to do batteries, but they've got to get the volume up by dramatic, I mean, you know, the much, much higher volumes. 
and they've got to get the cost way, way down before it can ever be used, cheap enough to be used in a car. But the range extender they see as being a, an early opportunity where you know, people may pay a bit extra for a car that has that comfort value of, uh, of being able to press a button and always get back to where you needed to be. Graham, how long until we actually see this in a car? Fuel cell. Come on, how long? <laughs> it's uh, the fuel cell car industry, obviously, I mean, it, you know, it, the, I mean, they've been working on fuel cells for decades, and there's always been the promise of uh, hydrogen fuel cell cars. And there are, there are, I think, as of this year, that Toyota has a volume production hydrogen fuel cell car. And I think Hyundai and one other have cars that are going into volume production in the next year. The problem with hydrogen fuel cell cars is the infrastructure. So a bit like Tesla with the electric car, they're having to roll out hydrogen fueling stations sort of ahead of the car because you're not going to sell a car to somebody who then worries about how they're going to fill the car up. So they've got to get the cars to a state where they're at least affordable on the market with subsidies. And then you've got to do something to put an infrastructure out there to, to refill the cars. That's where this particular technology, they think, you know, if they get this thing off the ground in volume, because you don't refill this. You buy you buy the batteries full of hydrogen and you trade them a bit like you do a gas bottle for a barbecue over here in the States. You just trade them in at the end of the, uh, the, when they're used for another one. So you don't have to have a hydrogen fueling infrastructure which holds back gaseous hydrogen fuel cell cars. So you're excited about this technology because it's not pressurized gas in this case. It is in a solid form and that's why you personally were excited about it, right? The reason that I got interested in this is in the unmanned air vehicle market, People have flown fuel cells and got dramatic results. I mean, you know, three, four, five times the flight time with hydrogen fuel cells, but they all require pressurized bottles and some way of refilling those bottles. And, and that's why they've never taken off. And these guys come along and you don't have any of that infrastructure. You just have battery effectively, you know, small units that are like batteries that you just handle like batteries and are actually safer than batteries. So I think it's pretty significant from that viewpoint if they can get it commercialized to the scale that they think they can. Well, Graham, thanks for your time for that update. All right. Thank you. Glad we were able to make it work eventually. So there you go, Tom. Wow, that was cool. That yeah. guy did not convince me. No. It's all in the future. It's all theoretical. It's all in the future. We'll see. Right. But again, I'm just going to one more time. Come it's on. in the future. God, However, God. call Toyota right now. Buy yourself a hydrogen car. It's different technology. These are little pellets. The hydrogen car is compressed. Um, we're talking about the technology that's available today, Mel. You are. Will you buy a RAV4 hydrogen? Will you? Will you? Would you even consider a RAV4? No. Okay, thank you. All right. So can we talk about SolarCity? This is funny to me. Solar so SolarCity comes out and uh, Elon is on the board and I believe he owns a third of the stock and it's run by his cousin. Yeah. It is the biggest installer of uh, solar panels in the United States by far. that true? Yeah. That's 70, cool. They own 70% of the market now. Wow. They came out a week ago and said, we just beat the efficiency record for standard solar panels at 22.1%, something like that. The number doesn't matter. So they can turn 22% of the photons that hit that thing into electricity. And it was a big deal and it was kind of cool. And then Panasonic, just this week, one week later, said, we beat you. We are doing 22.5% in our solar cells. And I thought, that's cool. Look at this race. But then I actually read the details and it said, well, uh, that's 22.5% um, for the Panasonic, but it's more expensive because it's based on different technology and it's not actually available yet. 
might not be available for a year. I have a question. Yes. What's the current efficiency? Do you know that number? The current efficiency is a little bit all over the board, but a standard sort of modernish panel like I got on my roof is about eighteen percent. What about the ones on my roof? Probably eighteen percent so standardish. Four percent increase. What would that all what that- would that increase like as far as like the so the total size if I had a five kilowatt system total and I put it all new panels, I would get Four percent increase? Yeah, four or five percent increase. Also, all it means to me—that's not underwhelming. I'm going to be honest with you. All it means to me is that if they're about the same price, yeah, put up the new ones because yeah. it's going to give you you know five percent increase maybe. And if you've got older ones, right. the older ones are only like fourteen percent. And the space ones—if you really want to drop some cash and put them in space, efficiency over forty percent. But you're going to have to move your house into space <laughs> that's because they're more efficient because there's no atmosphere is that correct uh i think it's more to do with the uh the cost the cost of the ridiculous gold <laughs> that they put in it to oh, make it really efficient yeah uh i can make it much more efficient it's going to cost you a billion dollars a panel there was some cool <laughs> did you see the martian yet not yet have you seen it? oh my god i, I saw it on it. opening night i ha- you can't talk about it because i read the book and I really want to go see it. I'm going to see it this but weekend. But their solar panels are a key part of that movie. What the hell? How have you not seen this yet? Because I'm a very busy man and I want to go see it with my son and he hasn't had a chance. We're going to see it this weekend. I saw it with my son. We loved it. Oh, my God. It was, a lot of people like that movie. It's really good. Solar panels and electric vehicles are a key, key. part of that movie. And actually, uh, Elon Musk tweeted out, about the Martian movie saying, yeah. pretty accurate, got the science right. They nailed the science. The science was amazing. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you one spoiler. Give me one. One. Potatoes grown in poop. I know. I read the book. I'm the greatest botanist on this planet. <laughs> Woo! That was awesome. Yeah, no, it's really good. Beautiful. Ridley Scott did an amazing job with this movie. Their solar panels are key to all of it futuristic technology and i'm sure elon musk was like so all i need to do this is what this i'm going to tell you this elon musk in his home theater he got a screener he's sitting there watching the movie and he called the dudes at spacex and his only concern was uh make sure you put enough ketchup on the spaceship to mars because at one point matt damon ran out of ketchup and was dipping his potatoes in vicodin (laughs) That's a big spoiler alert. No more spoiler alerts. Oh, my God. It's awesome. I'm sorry. If I ruined it for you people, this episode, uh, don't listen to the end of it. It's too late. They just did. Oh, damn it. Can you put like a thing maybe in front of it? Yeah, I'll put a spoiler thing. alert. Like, do we have a spoiler alert sound here? You want me to give you one right now? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. My God, you're an idiot. <laughs> and with you're that, well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. boys and girls, I think we should end it here. All right? Oh, it's been fun, Mel. Been, you did a great job on this been, episode, by the way. Big applause for thank you, Thank you. Buddy. I really felt I brought it. Hey, since we're talking about podcasts, you know that this is part of a podcast family, Tom? It's the podcast family of podcasts. It's the family <laughs> of podcast network. He's dead. It's upsetting me. Uh, under the Fooly Boo Incorporated. What does that mean? Fooly boo? Uh, yeah. All right. Let me give you the story. I'll give it to you quick. Great. Uh, okay. Please. So I grew up in a little town called Tulibuck in Outback Australia. In fact, I didn't even grow up in the town. The town had 150 people. I lived three miles from that. It was called Tulibuck. But we were bored, and as kids, you would make up names instead of Tulibuck. It was Fooly boo or Fooly f- or whatever it is. Wow. Beep. That was going to beep. <laughs> and so 
when it came to I need a company name for this new series of podcasts we're doing, I thought, call it Foolyboo. That's a funny name. People are going to say Foolyboo. What the hell's that? Then remember it. Yeah. Like you just did. It's pretty sweet. So we've got a couple that are up right now. We've got the Talking Tesla. Fantastic. You're yeah, loving it right very now. Very good. If you're into the Supreme Court and their decisions and the history behind their and decisions. And who isn't, really? Uh, Supreme Court Briefings is a fantastic podcast we put out. And just just brand new, it's, it's still got the new car smell. Mm-hmm. Is a little podcast we call This Won't Hurt a Bit. It is our sort of radio lab like medicine, science, philosophy show. That one is going to be bigger than Ben Hur. I've heard it. It's pretty good. I like it. Do you, I want to know, do you like my Sandra Day O'Connor shirt that I'm wearing? Because I like the Supreme Court so much. I, I have uh, t shirts in all of the justices that ever were. That's not what's on your thing. No, they can't see. It's a freaking radio podcast. Why do you have to ruin this? <laughs> Why have to ruin the magic? Sorry, Tom. Sorry for not playing along. <laughs> Is that all the podcasts you've done? Got your talking Tesla, yeah. Supreme Court briefing. This one hurt a bit. And oh, I've got, got another one coming, but we'll tell you about that later. Teaser. You're not even going to tell them the name of it. So no, can you tell me the name of it? Sh- no, it's called. Sh- why do you Why do you keep doing the beep thing with the? Sh- What's the name of the podcast? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, his name is Tom Wolfson. My name is Mel Herbert. That's the end of Talking Tesla 13. It is the 13th. Of the talking Tesla. Because we're talking. 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 Talking Tesla. That is lucky number 13. One thing, I know you're going to cut this part out. I always do. But my friends say that we should not beep out our F words. We should just let people know up front that we're going to curse. People curse in podcasts all the time. And we should just let it fly. Let me give you my philosophy on this. And I've been doing uh, podcasting for 20 years. I wish you would. (laughs) (laughs) It was so shocking. I didn't know why you said that. It's funnier when you beep it out. It is funnier. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. Okay. Sesame Street. Yeah. Count Dracula. That's so funny. Ready? It's so funny. The count. Yeah. I like to count. This is a YouTube video. Here, I'm going to put it in right now. I'll show you how funny beeping is. (laughs) I'm going to destroy your childhood, ladies and gentlemen, boys. God, you used to love Count Dracula. Here we go by beeping out the word count. Greetings. It is I, the Count. They call me the Count because I love things. In fact, I am looking for some things to right now. Oh, dear. I don't see anything to Oh, I must look some more. How could this be? There is nothing to Oh, and I wanted to so much. This is very frustrating.